Perhaps the most important idea for you to keep in mind is this. The primary purpose of the checklist isn't to create better writing, it is to create better writers. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Director of Marketing. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. So it's the beginning of the school year, Andrew, and I know that one of the things that you like to do for your students, or maybe for yourself, is you give them a letter to give to their editor. Yes. So, wow, tell me about this. Well, I talk about this in the four deadly errors, mm. right? The first of which is overcorrecting. Mm. And so that's kind of a foundational listen for most of our listeners, I would hope. But I do point out a few things. One thing is I noticed that I don't really like marking the student papers because it takes too much time mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm busy and I procrastinate and then it I have to stay up till way too late yes. the night before classes. And, and I went through several phases, you know, as a young teacher, I think I had this idea, I have to give everyone as much detailed feedback as I can. And, right. You know, we come to that idea, like, if I'm going to be a good teacher, <laughs> I've got to give exhaustive, you know, feedback and mark every little thing and give many lectures in the margin and make so many helpful suggestions that they're just going to grab that thing and think... Oh, what a wonderful teacher. And if you have 30 students in four classes, yeah, you would die. It takes you 30, 40, 50 hours. Mm -hmm. right? I've, I've easily spent 15, 20 minutes per paper. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, I don't have 120 students no. ever. <laughs> but I, uh, over time, I, I noticed a few things. Number one, I don't really like doing that. It's a chore. And number two, I'm not sure that's the best way mm. to teach these things. I, I often will use the term ex post facto teaching, mm -hmm. like after the fact, like it's too late. I mean, they did their best. Now you're going to tell them, here's what you could have done better if you could have done better. <laughs> it, it doesn't make too much sense. So I developed over time this strategy to reduce the part of what I dislike so I can do more of what I like and help them get individualized feedback mm. in a way that I can also have access to that information to see, okay, what do they need to know? And then teach, you know, grammar, mechanics, technical usage kinds of things proactively. Mm -hmm. So it came down to this idea. I don't want to edit your papers. You're going to do the best you can, but you need someone who's smarter than you to edit your paper one notch above what you can do. So smarter than you. Someone smarter, I mean, you know, smart, experienced, knowledgeable, competent. But you need to find someone who can proofread, 
find any little you know, obvious errors that slip through, and then point out some things that could be fixed or improved uh, that you might not notice. Mm -hmm. And then you can rewrite that and give the final version to me. Okay. So what I'm seeing is the best that you can do with the help of your editor. That way I don't have to be an editor. <laughs> right. And then what are you looking for? I mean, what are they paying you the big bucks for? Well, so the way I like to get things turned in from the students is I like to get the outline that, that they started with. So the keyword, the outline. keyword outline, you know, whatever unit you're in, there's always a keyword outline, whether it's unit two or unit seven, uh, whether it comes from every sentence or notes from the brain, there's always going to be an outline. So that that's first. Then on top of that, I want to see their rough draft, preferably with no erasing, so that I can see everything that was marked and changed by them. And then if possible, everything that their editor marked uh, in a different color. Mm. Can't always make that happen. Right. But it's very handy because then I can see, okay, that's what the student did. These were the things the editor marked to help it be more correct, improved in some way, technically legal. Mm -hmm. Then I get the student's final version on top. And in that version, all of the indicators are marked. So dress-ups are underlined. If they've learned sentence openers, there's numbers in the margin. If they've learned a topic clincher paragraph and they're in unit four, five, six, seven, or eight, the topic sentence and clincher sentence keywords are bolded or highlighted. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking for all these indicators so that, that I know, did they do what they claim to have done on the checklist? And for me, that's very quick. One, two, three, four, five, you got all five dress-ups. One, two, three, I only see three underlines, you're not finished. Right. Right. So then I can look at the development of the structure and style ideas, I can read through, and then give it an A for accepted, accomplished, or an I for incomplete, you missed too many things, you got to go do it again. Mm -hmm. But I can also see what did the editor change. So, okay, there was a, a missing comma. Why was that comma missing? What would the student have needed to know to put that comma in there? Mm. Oh, there's a tricky homonym that could be spelled either way, like there or there, and they missed that. Okay, so that's something they need to know. Oh, there's the capitalizing of a proper noun. The student didn't do it. The editor caught it. Okay, maybe we need to talk a little more about proper nouns and capitals mm -hmm. and which cases do you or don't you use capitals. And just, you know, it goes on from there, all that mechanic stuff. So what I will often do as I'm reading the student papers is I'll get, you know, a little notepad. And if I see something that the editor fixed, then I will copy that thing down. Uh, see another thing that someone's editor fixed, copy that thing down. Get four or five things that needed to be fixed. Boom, I've got a few points I can bring into a mini grammar lesson right. at the beginning of the next lesson. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I see something that the editor didn't fix. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I'll go ahead and, and fix it, but I probably won't make them re redo it a third time. Right. Depends. Mm -hmm. But then I can add that to the list as well. So this gives me, I think, the best of all worlds. I don't have to do all that editing, but I get to see what they need to know. I just 
read quickly the final copy, double check against the checklist, write a few encouraging words or something, I can be done with it. But at the same time, I've got some lesson fodder. Mm -hmm. Right. So what I'm looking at is two different versions of what you might hand out to your students. So can you just describe what we're looking at here? Sure, yeah. And we will send these to anyone or they can download them. Yeah, we'll include the them in the notes. show notes. Mm-hmm. One of them I wrote, the longer one, and uh, the other one uh, was originally written by a different teacher and then I kind of edited a little bit. And they basically say the same thing, mm-hmm. which is please edit the student's paper for mechanics, spelling, punctuation, complete sentences, right? Understand that the student is learning stylistic techniques that he or she may not be fluent or familiar with yet. Mm -hmm. So don't be terribly afraid about awkwardness. Make it legal, right? Edit it so that it's legal, but don't try to make it good. Furthermore, I I hope, and I think in most cases, the editors usually tend to be the moms. (laughs) Right. But I'm hoping that the person editing can be familiar with our syllabus. Right. They could watch just that short little overview of structure and style, wherein they can see, oh, so this is the philosophy behind the checklist. Okay, that makes sense. Here's the things on the checklist. Okay, so when I see that this student kind of forced in, you know, this who, which clause, or they Mm -hmm. forced in this because clause. I don't want to take that out. It's a little awkward, right? but they forced it in because it was on the checklist. They're practicing. Mm -hmm. And you don't gain ease in doing something by not doing it. Right. Right. (laughs) You don't gain ease in doing an awkward thing by avoiding it. You gain ease in doing something and gradually having it become less awkward. Mm -hmm. So trying to educate them a little bit, uh, you know, with this letter. For example, you know, one of them says, IEW students use a checklist of specific techniques that they must include in each paragraph of each composition, and this gradually becomes more complex over the course of the year. Perhaps the most important idea for you to keep in mind is this. The primary purpose of the checklist isn't to create better writing, it is to create better writers. When we require students to use particular words, grammatical constructions, and sentence patterns, they become more familiar with a wider range of ways to use words and construct sentences. This is good. Unfortunately, however, this sometimes stretches students and can consequently cause their writing to seem forced or awkward. Don't worry. Okay. So that's the tone. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm writing it directly to the person. Mm-hmm. And I'm not asking this editor to compare the student's writing with the checklist. That's the student's job. Right. Okay, good point. So the student is responsible to get in the techniques. And if he or she is having trouble with that, well, you know, they can ask for help. Right. Or I will make a note and say, oh, this is really tough. Let's just camp out here for a while and not add in any new techniques too too fast here. If I were the mom and was asked to be the editor and didn't know this thing, mm-hmm. and then I was comparing the checklist to the student's work, it would be very difficult for me to do this without the lecture attached because that's one of the rules, right? right? Yes. 
I, so it's a good point. Don't look at the checklist if you're just the editor. Let yeah. the student look at the checklist. That's yeah. good. Student look at the checklist. Your job is just mark it up, make it legal, and hand it back with a smile. And <laughs> no – I mean, if there's an appropriate need to explain something, then I suppose you could do that. But you want to keep it to a minimum because once you start talking too much – it becomes this kind of thing where, like, the kid's just not hearing you. Mm-hmm. And he's running a little tape in his brain, you know. I never know what to do. I'm dumb. I'm stupid. Mm. I can never do this right. I hate this. right? And we don't want that. Instead, I think we want to treat them the way my editors treat me, right? I send them a thing, and they mark it up, and they send me back the marked-up version and maybe there's a short note of explanation, but for the most part, it's just, okay, this is better, and I don't have to get a lecture. Right. So I, I remember when, when I first started, you know, 20 years ago, I was writing this little newsletter, and I would write this article, and I didn't have any employees. I couldn't afford to pay anyone to help me, so I used my wife, who... I didn't have to pay. I mean, <laughs> kind of. And uh, she's not a bad proofreader. You know, she's basically educated, competent. And really, I'm asking her to look for things that I missed because it's very hard to proofread yourself. Sure. I mean, you wrote it. You look at it again. It made sense when you wrote it. It still makes sense. You look at it a third time. Yep, looks good to me. <laughs> right. But then someone else looks at it and say, no, it should be this way. Mm-hmm. You're like, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm, I guess you're right. Didn't notice that. But uh, she would do this. She would mark it all up, and then she would expect me to sit down next to her so she could explain why she made all these marks. I remember thinking, you know, and here I am, a a relatively mature 40-year-old, thinking, I hate this. I wish she would just shut up and give me the thing. (laughs) I'll decide whether I like your changes or not, but I don't need your explanation. I thought, wow, my reaction to that if if that's my reaction, think about you know a little boy and his mom, right? You know, yeah, and how that could be amplified. So that's why I always tease the kids. I say, you can hire your dad, you can hire your older brother or sister, you can hire your grandma, you can hire the retired English teacher who sits next to you in church. You can hire anyone you want. You can even hire your mom, but you may have to teach her how to edit the paper and hand it back without. The lecture attached. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you make a comment in here about using a different color pen. That's just so that you can see, you can compare the rough draft to the final draft to see if the student actually did that. Right. So part of this is, did the student do it correctly? What if the editor it edits out a who, which clause or something like that? Well, that's what we're trying to avoid Mm -hmm. from happening, you know, rather than take it out, help the kid see a way to do it better. So that's, that's just part of the education, you know, that's going on there. What's more common is I will read the final draft, see something that's technically a problem, Mm -hmm. you know, missing word or something goofy. I'll then go look at the rough draft, see that the editor actually fixed that, but the child did not attend to fixing it 
in the final. Mm-hmm. Then I have to write a little note. Looks like you need to pay more attention to your editors. Right. Markings. They're not getting their money's worth if they're paying right. their editor. Not getting their money's worth. You give some suggestions in your letter to the students of how to pay their editor. I, I love some of your suggestions. Well, you know, I point out that's the other difference. You know, an editor will give your paper back with no lecture attached, but an editor also gets paid. Right? They're professionals and your mom doesn't want your money, you know. <laughs> I mean, your older brother might want your right. money. but <laughs> So, you know, negotiate compensation, do some extra chore, um, one that nobody ever does, particularly nasty thing like cleaning out the recycle bin bottom. Why, mm-hmm. why does nobody ever do that? I don't know. <laughs> or giving a little back rub, mm-hmm. you know, to your mom. Nice. My kids often would give me you know, when they were young, little coupons mm-hmm. uh, in a birthday card or or something, you know, for something they could do. So, right. You know, here's a coupon for... Weeding the garden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I never got that one. No? <laughs> 10-minute massage. Oh, nice. Remember my son when he was about seven or eight, he gave me a coupon for see me do 10 tricks on the trampoline. <laughs> nice. Cute. <laughs> so... Anyway, just I think this keeps it very light, keeps uh, low stress for both people, both you know, student and editor, mm-hmm. mom, and it helps me accomplish my goals in, I believe, the most effective way possible. Now, school teachers are going to have a bit harder time with this. I was just going to ask you, yeah, how would you apply this to the various pathways that our teachers and students are walking. Yeah. Well, in some schools, you you may have parents who are very involved, Mm -hmm. and you can bring them in, and you can give them that DVD, and you can educate them about the writing program that you're using. You say that DVD. You're referring to the Structure and Style Overview. Overview DVD, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And, And you can get parent involvement. You could probably pull this trick. And then if a child says, well, my mom just can't do it. Mm-hmm. My dad is always busy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is there anyone else? Maybe you could connect that student with a student three or four grades mm. higher. Right. Maybe a top student in a in a three or four years older class could mm-hmm. be that younger student's editor. That's lovely. I have noticed, uh, you know, some schools, they got this idea of peer editing but it seems to be problematic. I, I will admit that I've met a few teachers who say, yes, you know, I worked out a system and got this going and it works pretty well. But most of the people I meet just don't want to do it. They may be supposed to according to the dictates of the curriculum or the administration or whatever. But the problem is, if you've got a room full of kids who are all approximately the same age, you're going to have a you know, two to three, maybe four grade level difference in just aptitude and experience and competence. And it's not even something you can change necessarily. Mm-hmm. You're just going to have that. So you've only got about a 50-50 chance that someone in that room is going to edit your paper and give you advice better than what you could do on your own. Right. And of course, if you're in the top 10% of that class, the odds are no one's going to give you better advice. Right. So then it becomes kind of this mechanical, well, pick out one good thing you like and pick out one 
one thing for improvement. Mm-hmm. And and then it's not technical. It's not mm-hmm. real editing. It's not right. uh, substantial enough to help the students a lot. So I think in a school, ideally, if you could connect a few moms with more than their own child and let give them a chance to edit the papers mm-hmm. or, you know, break down, do it yourself. Or maybe if you're in an environment where you have a, a teaching assistant, oh, right. you know, you could get a, a TA to do it. Or I think the best thing is make a deal somehow and get kids in the next level up, mm-hmm. right? So if you're teaching grade four and you're in a K-8 school, try to get some kids in seventh or eighth grade right. and hook a few of those up with your yep. grade four kids who need the editing help. And, they, and the kids would love it. Both oh, they sides. love it. Yeah, yeah they love it. It, it, it. But it's hard to do because mm. it's always a matter of time and logistics sure, and all that. Sure. So teaching anything well is not ever going to be easy. Right. But uh, these are some ideas that have helped me and helped a lot of other teachers. Right. I think over the years. So we talked about the school teacher. We talked probably about the co-op or the hybrid school teacher where maybe another person is teaching your child. What if you are teaching your own child that's just one-on-one? Is there an opportunity for them to hire an editor? They can't hire their mom because mom's teaching them. Well, they could. Just (laughs) get a little hat that says editor and just put that on and then zip your mouth, edit the thing, hand it back, and you can take off your hat. I I could see in some cases the mom saying, hey, have your dad take a look at this and edit mm, it for you. Nice. Yep. Right? And then, okay, dad knows what to do. Don't talk too much. Just fix stuff. Hopefully dad is familiar with the checklist and the objectives therein. Right, right. And so, you know, that that might. I do think that a lot of times – Grandparents could right. be asked to help out in this sort of way. I would love to edit my granddaughter's paper. <laughs> yeah, and she's how old? A uh, year and a half. Yeah, so you got a little ways to wait. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> two years at least. Uh, but you know, with technology, almost everyone has access to a scanner or just a phone. Mm-hmm. Take a picture, send it to grandma True. in Miami or wherever. <laughs> grandma can print the thing out. Mark it up with a nice purple pen, take a picture, send it back, print it out. You know, so we do have the technology to very quickly get assistance from someone who's geographically remote. Right, right. And the other thing is I, I know some moms, they're homeschooling. But English is their second language. True. She may be, you know, from, well, anywhere, Mm -hmm. maybe speaks very well, but still a little bit nervous about being sure. Mm -hmm. Is this really the right way to say this or is this really the right Right. mechanics? So I always say, well, you know, see if you can find a homeschooling friend. Right. And maybe you have, you know, a day where you can just get together, let the kids play for an hour, swap papers you know, help each other in that way, too. The moms swap papers, not the kids. Right. The moms <laughs> right. can edit the their friends' kids' paper. Writing. Right, yeah. And if you're really desperate, we do have a resource on our website of accredited instructors who mm. are willing to do grading for other students. And you could just say, just do editing 
not grading. I don't want a letter grade. I just want you to give my kids some feedback that they can mark it up and then give it back to me. So, well, I think this has been very helpful. Of course, we will provide to our listeners a download of both the simpler letter for the younger students, a little bit more complex letter for teens. And you can modify that to suit you. Put your name on there instead of Mr. Poudois's name. I'm sure that would probably be helpful. I don't think, Andrew, you want to have these parents contacting you directly for help with editing. We have a, a team for you yeah, to help out no, with that. No, I don't yeah. need any more. Yeah, <laughs> no more papers to edit, right. And of course, our structure and style overview DVD, which we actually created for families who were not necessarily directly doing the teaching. Maybe their kids were enrolled in a co-op or their parents of students who are going to an IEW school. That way they can kind of get the big picture of what we're doing and try not to edit out some of the techniques that Andrew was talking about. So again, thank you, Andrew, for this. I think it was very helpful for our listeners. Well, thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcasts. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Poudois and the team at IEW, I thank you for the privilege of allowing us to partner with you on your journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking.